Nashville, it's Brianna and Marcus, and this is Smoking Section. Here we are. This is a, this is a full circle interview for me. Full circle. When I mean full circle, I mean full circle. 15-year-old Marcus is doing cartwheels right now. <laughs> oh, no kidding. 15-year-old Marcus oh, is doing wow. cartwheels right now. No wow. no kidding. Um, the I'm going to tell you a quick story if I introduce you. This, so... I was 15 years old. My friend calls me and tells me, hey, you should go listen to this song on CMT. And I'm like, what the hell is CMT? For anyone who doesn't, I'm black. We, we, I didn't know what CMT was. <laughs> nothing. And so I'm like, she goes, oh, it's country music. I said, black people don't listen to country music. Wrong. Um, <laughs> so it, she pulls up. Yeah, she, she she turns the channel. She she listens to it. And she pulls it. I'm like, holy shit, this is a really good song. And it followed the next four songs like John Rich, Big and Rich, Save Horse Ride a Cowboy, all that era. Um, but it was the first song in country music that I have ever heard. Live Like wow. You Were Dying. Oh my God. Has single handedly, wow. and that wow. song changed my entire life. Wow. I would not be in Nashville, Tennessee oh my God. because of if it was for Live Like You Were Dying. Where were you? Where were you when you heard it? Where were you living? I was living in New Jersey. No I was way. in the boondocks about 45 oh minutes outside God. of Philadelphia, out in the boondocks in the country. And I, I, I literally has changed my life. I would not have worked in country wow. music. I would not have wow. been here in Nashville. I would not have gone to MTSU if I did not hear Live Like You Were Dying. Look at oh that. My God. So when I say 15-year-old Marcus is doing cartwheels right now, 15-year-old Marcus <laughs> is doing cartwheels. That is so, so crazy. And to have That's one amazing. Of the, yeah, and to have one of the co-writers of this song yeah. makes me extremely happy this full circle ladies and gentlemen wow. we have cma winner acm winner grammy <laughs> grammy winner nashville songwriter hall of famer he has written live like you were dying has written his his carolina tells california the list goes on <laughs> this man is a no i'm not going i'm not going to go there i won't say he's a guy i won't say that but he is <laughs> I'm, a, I'm very fortunate i'm a fortunate guy <laughs> this man is a genius when it comes to songwriting, ladies and gentlemen, we have Tim Nichols. Thank you so much. Wow. What a what, intro. That's a serious, that is a serious intro. That's the, I think that's best intro, <laughs> bar none. I've had lots of intros, nothing like close to that. Jeez. Yes. Well but, deserved, if I do say something. Well deserved. Well deserved. Wow. When I mean this is a full circle, this is a full I get I get it now. Yeah. That's no, incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I even have memories too. I used to do little fair festival circuits singing the karaoke tracks and I would always sing Live Like You Were Dying when I was How like, about that? Now Fred, where are you where's home for you? Are you from here? I'm originally from Huntington Beach, California, actually. Ooh, so. I love oh, that's a great <laughs> yeah. place to be from. Oh, oh my gosh, wow. I miss it so much. Before all yeah. of this pandemic, I was actually supposed right. to go out there in April. I miss it. I miss it. But wow. yeah, we did yeah, the whole like West there. Coast Fair and Festival circuit out yeah. there and do live like you were dying. Heads Carolina, Tails California. That's what I was just gonna too. say. That's yeah, right. I did Absolutely. that song too. All all of the things too. This is really an honor for me. Seriously. Thanks so much. An it's a man. It's uh, I'm so happy that this worked out. I know I feel like we had had it canceled. We'd had it scheduled. We had it scheduled before, and then we had, before, to, can- had to cancel it because everything yeah. started happening. Ah. And so it's yeah. like, oh man, yeah. So I'm glad. And so we were talking about Heads Carolina, Brianna, I, um, and you were talking about you just uh, 
did a, a podcast with Jordan Davis, who he just cut. He recut Heads Carolina. What? Really? Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. He will be re- he, he, will, he will be receiving a text message, <laughs> and I'm going to try yeah. my best to get that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's quiet. I definitely yeah. need to hear it. Yeah, he did. And he's changed. It's a little more, it's a little slower, a little more breezy. I mean, he put his own thing on it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I will be, I will be texting him when this is over and asking for a copy of that. Yeah, I mean, so y'all wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had any reason to have brought that up, you know, but it's like, but, you know, as we're just sitting around here talking. Oh, man. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, it's a great, I just love his version and he's, he's he's playing it out. He's playing it out live. I've been right. Actually, you know, he writes a lot with Jordan Walker as for you know, who's, right. who was at half, you know. Um, yeah. And so I've been writing some with Jordan. So they were at, this has been probably, I don't know, well, it was back before. Actually, it was before all the COVID because they were out playing. So it went like, yeah. I guess. And uh, it was probably like, I don't know, 11 o'clock one night. And he sends me this, he sends me a video of like, uh, he's, he's out there on the road and they're playing a show and, and Jordan's singing it and, and, and Jordan Walker is filming the crowd. Everybody's singing along. So it was like a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. A lot of fun. But I oh, think I Marcus just. Dis- yeah. 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 You got to check it out. Wow. Check it oh, out. Yeah. But you have to. Um, How fun. But talking about, for you know, you're in New Jersey and you hear this song, you know, you heard Live Like You Were Dying. I think, man, it just. It speaks to, and we and we talk about it here in Nashville all the time as songwriters and whatnot. We talk about it all the time as the just the power that a song has, and what it yeah. and the changes it can and the, and what it can do and how it can affect people. You know, and it's I mean, a, you amazing. are. There's no better example that, that of that than you. Song, that yeah. one song. One song. Yeah. See, that's just so yeah. crazy. Change the course of your life. Now, one song, literally, Tim. Yeah. Change this man's life. It, and the funny thing is, I told I told uh, Craig Wiseman that because he's also a co-writer on that. Yeah, right. And I told Craig Wiseman that, and we were all a little intoxicated when we told when I told him. <laughs> <laughs> we were all it was at an after party. We were all a little tipsy, feeling yeah, pretty right. good. And we both and both of us nearly teared up. And Bridget I'm Bridget sure. Taylor was standing next to us like. You didn't make this man cry at his own party. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah, that's what that's music's so about. That's what music's I love about. it. I, I like, love it. I mean, it's just so. I mean, listen, Brianna's mother went off on the phone, dude. We <laughs> literally, she called right before you got on, and she's like, "I was like, hey, mama, I'm about to film for a podcast. Like, what's up?" And she's like, "Oh, like, where are you filming? Who is it?" And I and I told her it was it was you, and we just started naming off songs, and all of a sudden she just goes. <laughs> she was not on speakerphone, and I'm like laughing, <laughs> laughing because she just screamed. She was so excited. She was so excited. So like the fact that the songs that you've written have had such an impact on like both of our lives, including wow. my mother. I mean, is amazing. That must be like such an honor for it's you. Absolutely, you must be really proud. Oh, no, it's very, very cool. Because you just, I mean, you don't know. I mean, when you write yeah. those songs, I mean, you never know kind of what they're going to what they're going to turn out to be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I, I was talking to uh, one of my best friends is Jimmy Allen. And I was going to, I was uh-huh. just getting ready to uh-huh. go there. So I was talking to him last night. He, we were texting and, uh, and I always, I always ask, ask around when I might interview someone, I'll ask around who I know people like who know them. Anything I should know, you know, before yeah. the interview. And, uh, he just literally goes, 
Google him. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? Normally, like, he'll give me, like, the information and everything like that. And he and he'll goes, Google him. I said, really? I said, this is what you're going to give me, smart ass. He goes, no. <laughs> he's, like, I'm, he's like, not trying to be a smart ass, partially. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. this is a person where, like, you can Google him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been at it a long time. I've been around a long time. He's like, you can Google him. And then when I and then when I Googled you, and I knew you had wrote his Carolina Tuss California. But then when I saw the list of songs. Oh my gosh. Woo! And I'm like just the no. singles. Not even like Wikipedia only shows the singles. It doesn't even show yeah. the album yeah. cuts. Just the singles. I mean, and I'm like, girls lie too. <laughs> oh, that what? music video know, for that right? song what? one of my favorite yeah. music videos of all yeah. time like there's just you were reading Marcus you were reading down the list of like all yeah. of these songs and I'm just sitting there like we, why is he talking to us <laughs> what Yeah. how did we get him on the yeah. show yeah. just ask just ask it was, it was yeah. crazy because when I, so we this whole thing came about when we, Rihanna, you weren't here. This is before your, before your time. We uh, yeah. we interviewed Rusty Gadsden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we something happened that night, and we couldn't interview him at the actual cigar shop. We had to go back to the, this music office and record there. Yeah. And we we sat, and I think it was Ben Hayslip's. Uh, writing room at the time and we sat there and then he took us and gave us a tour afterwards Right. and I turned around and I said I want Tim Nichols <laughs> and he just looked at me yeah. and he goes we'll make it happen I'm like yeah right I'm serious I'm like don't joke around with me Rusty I'm like I want Tim Nichols he goes I, we're gonna make it happen and no bullshit about two three weeks later I got an email saying, hey, we're going to get Tim Nichols on here for the day. I'm like, whoa. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Sure. Yeah. 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 So like, you can see you can see there's our our yes. logo, our this music logo. Yep. So that Rusty and me and Connie Harrington started in January of 06. And so we had just a, an amazing, an amazing run. And then this back in this past December, Sony bought this music, bought our company. And so Rusty is now running. He's the head of uh, Sony Nashville and so wow. we're all we're all writing for Sony and it's been a just been a very very cool thing that's amazing yeah. well we're just over here fangirling over you uh, don't worry but Jimmy so did he tell you we were so so you, just y'all like wrote a, y'all wrote a song called The Fighter a couple of days ago that I want to hear we did we Ooh. did yeah Ooh, yeah I want to hear that one yeah, because all trackers ain't green is my favorite song on this album. Don't talk. Oh about man, that. thank you. So I bet I really that's I'm telling you that song, and especially you know we wrote it. I don't know two and a half, three year three. I don't know. It's been a minute, wow. and so we no way we could you know. I mean, especially it's just it's gotten to be so timely. But it's you know the story. You know Jimmy. You know it's, you know black guy from Delaware. His dad he said was it always. A huge country fan. You, I'm sure you know all this. Huge country fan. Huge country fan. And so Jimmy, you know, grew up listening to country music. And 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 my recollection of the story, you know, at one point, Jimmy, you know, I think he went to L.A. and did the pop rock, you know, singing bands and whatnot out there. But he'd always, that country thing, it just always, it was just, 
in him, you know, and I think by, by like I said, my recollection was his dad had said, hey, you're, you're not the only black kid out there that likes country music. And he said, you could be like, I mean, you could be a role model. You could be like Darius or like Charlie Pride or like, you know, and so we were, so, so the three of us, me and, and Jimmy and Brandon Hood were writing and, and, and I just thought that was just such, just the greatest it's story. Such, it's such that's a so great, cool. it's funny you said it brought, brought, brought up the, the punk rock. I, that's when I met him. I booked him in Nashville when he was doing the punk rock thing. He was yeah. in the punk rock band. But, that's uh, when I met him on yeah, he was really? No kidding. That's when yeah. we, that's actually when I met Brianna back wow. then, back during yeah. those times. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Back during those times. Um, but no, that, that, that song, it's as you said before, it's very timeless because it's amazing how you wrote it two and a half years ago, and now, especially in today's climate, it's right. just so right. relevant and so powerful. I've even told him recently, as you know, as as, a, as long as a, early as a month ago, to like put out a put out a like a video montage to that song with everything going on in the world right now to that song because it, 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 I feel like that song needs to be heard and it kind of sucks that it was never a single uh, I've never heard it unfortunately oh you need, need to oh yeah it's, oh and well, then he played so, it at CRS with a piano and a choir oh wow nice. yeah 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 I heard yeah I heard so we were that day we were sitting there and it's like I just thought that was a great idea and I said well do you have a song you know a song that kind of speaks to that you know and he and he's mentioned you know he he said he said you know that he didn't, but he would love to have a song that he could sing. There's really he could sing, and so I mean, it was just this idea. It just like wherever idea from heaven or wherever ideas come from, it just came down this line. I said, "Hey man, what about all tractors ain't green?" You know, and he said, "Holy smoke, man, I love that." And we, I mean, it didn't take long. It seemed we had the chorus. So Brianna, the chorus goes. All guitars don't sound the same. You can't judge whiskey by the bottle. I might go against the grain of that country boy model, but sometimes what you get ain't always what you see. All fields ain't corn. All tractors ain't green. Damn. Yeah. That just gave me goosebumps. Whoa. Boom. Wow. Because when you, when, when you said that title, I'm like, how do you – as a songwriter myself, it's like there's some things that it's like there's a fine line. You could write this and it could be incredible. You could write it and it could be really cheesy and really just not great. You're on the incredible side. Holy cow, I have goosebumps. I need to shave my legs again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a song that the three of us obviously are really, really proud of. Yeah. And um, he and Ash made a great, I mean, they made a great record. You know, so I mean, you never. I guess you never know what could happen, but no. yeah. But wow. it's a cool thing to be Yeah, part. that 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 song is just it's yeah. spectacular. That's incredible. That's well, we have established that you are one of the most fantastic songwriters of our generation. Now no. let's get to no. know you a little bit more. <laughs> sure. So yeah, so talk about like growing up where'd you where'd right. you grow up originally and what was your childhood right. and everything like that kind of like led to you getting into music was your family in music yeah they you know they were my dad like jimmy's dad it's that's i mean there are parallels and so i totally related to that my dad was a huge country music fan and we had it i was born in virginia portsmouth virginia which were kind of near virginia beach the coast there that tidewater area it's called and so when i was a kid we had 
um, a store that sold men's work clothes. So there's a you know it's a big ship built shipbuilding area, you know, Norfolk Naval Shipyard. And so we had this store that sold men's work clothes. And so we would, as a kid, um, we would, uh, we advertised on the country station, our little store advertised on this country station. And so because we were sponsors and then whatever they would have big, they would have country shows and the radio stations would bring all of these country stars to, you know, that have these concerts. And so because we were were sponsors because we advertised on the station we would get tickets and so i remember going backstage probably being 10 or 12 meeting meeting johnny cash and and the statler brothers and carl perkins and we saw i saw like bill anderson and jan howard and i saw like i saw hank jr before he you know really before he became hank jr when he was still singing his dad's songs before the you know before he fell before the fall of the mountain and and all that and so I just grew up you know listening to country music and and um but I never really and then and then when I was um I guess about 15 to 16 we moved to Springfield Missouri and so um and so I was still you know listening to country and I started singing in church and that kind of thing and like um I love country music and I sang, but I never kind of really thought it's like, it just seemed distant. It would just seem like I loved it. But I mean, how was I, how did I was going to get into it? You know, Yeah. I didn't, you know, it's like, it just didn't, it didn't seem, I didn't know how to go about it or anything. And so, so I, I graduate high school and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to major in broadcasting because I love like radio. And by this point I'm starting to piece together. Well, and I had read, I knew that Bill Anderson had been, um, before he got in music, he'd been in, he was in radio. And I thought, well, well, if it can work for Bill Anderson, maybe it can work for Tim Nichols. There you go. And so I, so I go, it's in Springfield, Missouri. I'm in Springfield. It's Southwest Missouri state university. It's the first, day of the semester in my first major class I'm taking introduction to broadcasting I'm going to learn how to speak like the guys on the radio (laughs) up next on WSM (laughs) Jimmy Allen with all trackers ain't green so that's what I'm excited I'm going to learn about that so there were just a handful of people in the class eight o'clock the professor walks in and says I'm sorry the class has been canceled due to lack of interest it's like, oh, oh man. Wow. And so and so I finished that semester and I just got tired of not having any money. And basically I came from a blue collar family. And so my I didn't mom my parents weren't saying, young man, you get your degree no matter what, then you can go do what if you want to chase music. They weren't saying that. So I just, you know, I got tired of not having any money. And so I so I so I dropped out. And so, really, I, it's funny that I'll I'll go back now, and I, I'm telling I'll tell this when I'm telling sharing this story. You know how I got to Nashville. I'll talk about you know this, you know those series of uh, Lemony Snicket books, a series yes. of unfortunate events. Yes. I feel like that's me. Wow. You know, so first, like unfortunate event one, the class has been canceled due to lack of interest, and then like, and then I'm still I get it taking a job, and I'm working just these different jobs like. Um, you know, just temporary job things. And I, and I decided, it's like, man, I should start taking guitar lessons. And I'm like 19 at this point. I should start taking guitar lessons. 
So this guitar teacher tells me about, he's heard that there's a record label in Nashville looking for singers. And it's Chart Records. Well, I had an old 45, this is years ago now, of Lynn Anderson on Chart Records. You know, Lynn Anderson, I Never Promised You a Rose Guard, that Lynn Anderson. Yes. On that record, on that label, Chart. So I'm thinking, hey, wow, this is cool. So, so I call him. And of course, it turned. I went down there. I made a trip to Nashville. Me and my dad from Springfield, Missouri. I play for this guy, and it's like, what do you know? It's like, son, I'm going to make you a star. Oh, you know, the big cigar. Well, of course, it was a total ripoff. He was a total con <laughs> artist. Of course. Yeah, weren't you, know? you on sixty minutes with that? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And from from that being ripped off, I, that led to like. Um, this expose on 60 Minutes. And so that's like, unfortunately, another unfortunate event. Just one thing. And finally, Bob, but yeah. the, the 60 Minutes thing from there, um, I met a guy who happened to be living in Springfield, Missouri, and his name was Cy Simon. He was a small independent publisher living in Springfield, but he had an office here in Nashville. And he had a one of his like most successful writers was a guy named Wayne Carson, who you can Google him too. He wrote one of the songs he wrote uh, "Always on My Mind." He co-wrote. Um, he wrote. The, I mean, he was a ton of country. It's one. I mean, you go way way back in the fifties and sixties. He wrote this song called "The Letter," with this was this huge hit, um, huge hit. Wayne Carson. He's in the he's in the Hall of Fame in the, in the National Songwriters Hall of Fame as well. He passed away a few years ago, but this guy Cy Simon. Basically, he saw in the local news that, hey, this local kid from Springfield, Missouri, is on 60 Minutes. He got ripped off. And so he reached out to me. And so he basically became my mentor. And he would listen to my bad songs. And he was encouraging. And I, I, had, put, I had put a band together. Because at that time, I, like, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be, I wanted to move here and be a, an artist, to be a country. Okay. I wanted to be a star. That's what I okay. wanted. You know, I didn't even know the writing thing. I didn't really know that that was really an option. And so I'm, yeah. I'm writing these songs, writing bad songs. I'm writing bad <laughs> songs. And Cy was like so encouraging, man. And one day he, I was telling him because I couldn't find like play, musicians. Nobody was serious enough. You know, they just wanted to do it part time. And it's like, and so I was, I was telling him about that. And he said, man, if you want to hunt tigers, and this is this is just the most amazing. I've repeated this quote. It's like the quote worth requoting. If you want to hunt tigers, he said, you have to go where the tigers are. Right. So that just resonated yeah. so much to me. So I went to India. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my no. God. So so Tim so I to combat. Oh, I'm funny. And so. uh yeah, no. So I, so I, I mean, I'm, that just resonated with me so much. It's like, well, you can't, if you want to be in the music business, you can't do the music business from Springfield, Missouri. You have to go to Nashville. And so I, so I moved, I had this little band and we moved and we, you know, we'd play fair dates and shows and we were gone all the time. And it's like, and then finally the last incarnate, you know, we'd, some players would leave and then we'd hire new ones here and, and, um, Finally, I guess in uh, 1980, this is like 83 now, um, the last incarnation of the band broke up and there was there used to be this theme park here called Opryland. Yes. yes. And they had the thing that differentiated Opryland from Six Flags and uh, Kentucky Kingdom and Disney was they had these live music shows. 
And so it's like, man, just, just getting just being out on the road with this band is getting tough. Plus, I need to find out, I need to figure out how to stay in town. You know, I mean, if I was just going to be out on the road, I could have kept doing that from Springfield. But I needed, so I'm trying to figure out. So it's like, okay, this Opryland thing will get me in Nashville. And so really then, you know, um, so I got, I auditioned and I got hired and I'm working in the shows at the park. And I start going to the Bluebird and meeting songwriters. And so the songwriting community is like, I mean, it's, there's what I love about it is there is an amazing sense of community among songwriters. Yeah, I, I, you know, right? that is, that's pretty. That's very true. Even I feel like I feel like songwriters, not just songwriters, but people, in, especially in Nashville, people in the country industry, it's a tight knit. It's yeah. it's a competitive knit, very competitive. But it is a tight knit, and we, as a group, you we 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 definitely protect that knit no matter yeah. what. So it's very one. It's like it's one of those like you have to fight your way in. But once you're in, but you're once in. you're in, you're well, in, you are in. well right. And I think yeah. that's right. And I think um, it, it is. I mean, we do. It's like for example, if the three of us are writing and y'all get a song on the new Luke Bryan record and I don't, I'm genuinely happy for you for you guys. Right. And exactly. so that's what we. So it works that we are happy for each other when 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 our. When our co-writers have success, I mean, genuinely, genuinely happy, and I feel like, and it is, um, I, I will say, it is. I feel like it is a small, it it is a, it's kind of a small club. Yeah. But but at the same time, I feel like if you if you have the goods, it is like it's like open arms. Yes. Exactly. Open arms, yeah. and because the other thing I'll talk to new writers about is, you know, everybody, it's like feels like. Oh, it's all closed off down a music row, and you can't get in. That's I think that's just not that's just not true. Now it's not what's what what is true is it's not the easiest thing to write great songs. But I feel like, and I'll tell them new writers, it's like when you're playing songs for a publisher for the first time, the publisher is hoping and is wanting to love your song. A publisher is gonna is hoping that your song is great. Because well, everybody needs great songs. They can make money from great songs. They can get great songs recorded. So they want they're they're not list they're they're not pressing play, starting your song, thinking I'm not gonna like it. Yeah. They want to like it and they're hoping that it's good. Yeah. It's just the fact that nine times out of ten, it's not your song is not where the bar is. You, we, you can but, say it ten, it's the song is just not good. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's, I mean or, 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 you know, or sometimes, or just, or, I mean, sometimes, it, yes, they'll be, this is like, this is awful, this is shitty, how did you get in here? But sometimes, but then a lot of the times it's like, hey man, you, I, I can tell from this song, you, you know what you're doing, and you're in the ballpark, you just haven't written enough songs yet, you just need yeah. to keep writing, you just need to keep writing songs. Yeah. You know, and so so a lot of it's that. But I think um, when you do, I mean, you'll be it's amazing. Doors fly open if you can if you can do it. I mean, if you yeah. if you have the yeah. the the skills, the the yeah. the heart and the soul and the craft and, yeah. you know, it, it happens. I mean, I, yeah. And the other thing now, I feel like now with. With social media being what it is, and you can and and song singers and songwriters have access to the world. 
Now it's you know you it's not the easiest yeah. thing to to get through all of that, but I mean I was writing I was writing with a guy Kyle Clark from Georgia, and he was he was down at, he was down there outside of Athens, a little small town, releasing his songs, and somebody from up some up somebody on Music Row up here heard it, heard his songs. And reached out to him, and now he's in town. He has a writing deal at Sony, and I wrote with him last week. Wow. So it happens. It it, it, happens. You know, I feel like in this industry, it takes one person to to back you or to support you. 100%. To to change everything. You need one champion. You need one champion. Always. And once you get that one... You're off to the races. Yeah. And that's how it starts. Everybody, I had that, I had, you know, I had that person. I had everybody, well, actually, I should, well, it started with Thomas Kane, who was a guy at, at, at BMI. He was one of the writer reps, and he was the first guy at BMI that I played songs for. And so he knew, Thomas knew, it's like, okay, these, okay, these are getting to, you know, to where they, they're getting, it's time you need to start seeing, you can go around seeing publishers. And so I'm working in shows at Opryland. Yeah. And so this is like uh, the summer of 86. I was hey. some, it's like now. It's like now. It's 95, 100 degrees. I'm out in shows singing these songs and wearing cop big heavy costumes, clogging, uh, you know, I'm dancing, you know, going choreography, like full on. But I've been playing songs for I've been playing songs for Thomas, and I had seen, like in the Sunday paper in the business section, that that Millsap Galbraith Music, Ronnie Millsap's publishing company, had hired a new song pitcher, song plugger, yeah. and her name was Leslie Schmidt. And so I thought, so she was new, and I thought, hey man, if she's new, then she might not be locked into her group of people. Yeah. She might be open to hearing new writers and like she would you know she would want to sign and they would let her sign and so she could kind of champion those people so I'll call Thomas Thomas can you get me an appointment with Leslie Schmidt she's the new plugger at Millsaps and he said yes so he did she called and said bring your three best songs all right great so I did she listened to them and uh we had a good meeting and she but she didn't say like Oh man, I love all three of these. Ronnie's going to cut these. We're going to say, do you want a publishing deal? She didn't say that, you know? And so I figured that it was going to be a a bit of a process. And so I, I said, Leslie, at the end of the meeting, I said, thanks so much. Hey, look, I would love to come back. I said, I'm sure you probably see a lot of people one time. I said, I would love to come back and play you more songs. And so I thought, okay. And like, a month or so, I'll call her back and get her another appointment and see if I can play her some more songs. Yeah. Well, later that week, she calls me back and she says, do you have any more songs? Oh, yeah. I have a lot more songs. <laughs> yeah. And she said, so bring me your five best songs. And so I'm like, okay. And so I did. And one of those songs was a real country, like a country waltz song that I had written with John Vesner, who went on to write... Where have you been for Kathy Matea and, and other lots of so we had, I, he did have a deal with Rensong Publishing with Regeyer. I didn't have a deal, but we had wrote this song, a real country song called This Time Last Year. And so that was one of the one of the five. And so I'm at the it's like summer. I'm at the Opryland. I'm sweating. 
I'm on a break between shows and I'm checking and I'm checking my voice, not voicemail because we didn't, my, I'm checking my answering machine because yeah. we didn't have voice. There was no voicemail. Voice I'm checking this answering. The yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. So it's between shows. I'm checking my answering machine and I hear this guy, Tim, this is Rob Galbraith at Ronnie's office. Me and Ronnie have been listening to a bunch of songs today by a bunch of big deal songwriters, and we like this thing that you and Vesner wrote the best, and we think we're going to cut it. Oh, oh my God. Amazing. Oh, I mean, this, yes. Because, you know, back at that, at that time when Millsap was recording an album, it was just like if Aldine or Chesney or right. Luke, right. you know, Keith or any of those guys, it's like they're yeah. recording today. The, everybody and all of the writers in town are writing for that. You know, they were writing yeah. for Mills back then because one, he's such an incredible artist. He's a great singer. They made amazing records and everybody wanted to be on a Mills record. And so I get word on my answering machine from Rob Galbraith that here I am clogging doing these shows at Opryland that Ronnie Millsap is going to record one of my songs. Well, they did. Wow. They ended up, they recorded it. And so okay. from there, they, that's where I got my, uh, they signed me then to their, to Ronnie's, to their publishing company. Yeah. And so basically for the business part of it, I already had a song, you know, so Millsap was selling gold and platinum then. So they already knew my draw, they were going to pay me $125 a week. So this gets into the business side. So I already 125 knew 125 a, a, a grand yes a big Whoa. yes yes yeah back 125 dollars a week back then that was a lot of money guys well it was That's well it true. was oh I mean it was like I mean it was not that much it wasn't but, that it was, much. but I was still it was like for me I mean it's like they're gonna pay me to write songs I mean, and yeah, so yeah. and so they knew from a business part they knew that Millsap he had recorded my song it was gonna be on an, it was gonna be on the album. And so I had basically already recouped from the royalties that he would sell, they would, from the records that he would sell, the royalties that that generated would already take cover my advance and my draw. So, so we knew, like, I mean, over the 16 years that we had this music, we, you know, it's typically the way it works is like, okay, we hear somebody, Rusty, we hear somebody that he believed in and he had heard enough of their songs and knew who they were as a person and their work ethic. We would sign them believing that we could get their songs cut. And and nine times out of ten, that's what would happen. But still, it's like we have to, you know, it, that takes a minute, you know. And so they, in the meantime, you know, publishers are paying that, you know, they're paying that advances to writers every every month or however, yeah. you know, whatever. And so but I was so fortunate in that I had a Ronnie Millsap cut going into my publish going into exactly. my publishing deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just so fortunate. And then I started getting a really started getting a few songs cut later. Billy Dean was a at that time, Billy Dean was singing demos and he was a buddy of mine. Uh, I wrote a song called Brotherly Love that he sang the demo on that went on to be. He said and he, that was before he even had a deal. But he said, if I ever get a deal, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record that. And he got a deal on Capitol on his first record. That song was that was on there. And. And I, I started writing, uh, Keith Whitley cut a song of mine called I'm Over You, which was my first hit, you know, that came, came out in like 89. And so um, I was just really fortunate. And, and, and um, but to go back to, you know, I didn't know, but it was that, that t t t tight knit 
community. Yeah. I started going to the Bluebird Cafe and seeing those shows, and it would look and it looked like everybody. It's like man, everybody in that circle in that circle, there's having so much fun. It right. looks so much fun in that circle. I, I want to figure out how to be in that circle. Yeah. You know, that's how I started, you know, and that goes back to this writing these songs and really trying to figure it out. And I just became part of the journey for me was I discovered that I wasn't, it wasn't in the cards for me. I wasn't supposed to be, I wasn't supposed to be those guys, you know, these guys on the, you know, Chris Young or Alan Jackson. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to be those guys. Right. I was supposed to be this yeah. guy. I was That's supposed amazing. to be a songwriter. And so I feel like I was so fortunate um, to, to discover that and figure that out. And I really, I'm, I, I know beyond any doubt that I'm doing and have been doing for years now exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, what I was I put here to do. And so that's, Dude, a, that's I something that's that. blessed. It's just that's incredible. That's blessed. Life like is have, good. Yeah, Life's you have good. an amazing career to show for that. You know, like that's just absolutely incredible because there's a lot of people that come to town. Most, I feel like most people come to town to be an artist. Right, and, right. And so, I mean, so much, yeah, I mean, Brett, I mean, so many of my other songwriter buddies, I mean, yeah. Brett, Brett, Brett James. And I mean, Jeffrey, yeah. St- well, Jeffrey wasn't, I mean, he wasn't, well, he was in Boy Howdy. And, but, but I yeah. mean, yeah, lots. I mean, Rivers, yeah. Rutherford, you know, I mean, Crazy. there's a lot. And there it's is, like, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I mean, there's some, I mean, Neil Thrasher, man, who sings better? I mean, nobody sings better than Neil Thrasher. I mean, you know, yeah, that's I mean, a thing. Nobody. These people, it's just insane so, how incredibly talented yeah. they are. And so it just goes to show, and Rusty would talk about it all the time. He would say, yeah. you know, the thing is, you know, when as far as like being a star, for all of that to happen, it's not a talent contest. You know, there's so many other things that have to, so many other ducks have to line up, so many stars have to line up yeah. for that for that star thing to happen. Really? It's more of you a know, lottery than anything. I else, mean, it's just, honestly. I think it's timing and I think it's the right song. I mean, it's just the people yeah. that you, the people that are in your camp and just, yeah. Oh, there you go. I know. Hey, he's, I don't he's got guess. a nice cigar. Yes, sir. Nice. Uh, yeah. Celebrate the day. Good. So yeah. Come there, on. There that's right. Go. Yes. This is a good so, day. Yeah. So, so but. Um, I have a quick question about, um, like, the business. So you've been in the business for long time. decades now. Yeah, a long time. And so you've seen the change right. that has happened over right. the past few years. Sure. So how how different were things when you first got signed and when you first started getting success as you know, opposed to how they are now? I'm sure the, the differences are just... I think, I mean, I, they are. The, it, lots of changes, but I was st- I mean, it's still hard. It's always been hard. Of it's course. getting songs cut has always been difficult. And I feel like it even talking to new writers and especially now, especially 2020, especially this year. I mean, as if, you know, talking, you know, like you, you know, I mean, Jordan's been out now and Jimmy, they've been out, you know, so they, they're a, a bit ahead of the curve. Yeah. But I mean, we all write with, you know, with artists, guys and girls that are working on their first, you know, they, they don't have their first record has been, I mean, they're releasing songs to the, to the streaming services and that kind of thing, but as if it wasn't already hard enough. I mean, now this hits and you can't, I mean, there's no touring, you can't play, but they're still finding ways. And so that's, I feel like the the human spirit, it's just, it's, we are, we are I, I feel like there is some, 
something built in us to overcome obstacles. You know, I've been listening. There's this guy, there's this author, this writer, Ryan Holiday, that I've like over the past probably two years just am a huge fan of this guy and the Tim Ferriss from the four hour work week and all that, you know, the, he yeah. was the one I was listening to a book. I was finishing up one of his books because I'm all about reading. I'm audio. I'm an audible guy. I'm always I have that subscription. I'm always listening to books. So I discovered it's Ryan Holiday from Tim Ferriss, and so he's written these ones called the obstacle. One of his books is called The Obstacle Is the Way, and that book got to be uh, several years ago. A guy with uh, Sports Illustrated wrote a wrote a story about the book, and then then it translated into like the the, the New England Patriots picked it up, and they and it and it kind of made its way through some like the NFL and the NBA, and it talks about how the op the obstacle whatever this mountain is that is in your way, how you deal with that, how you move, how you choose to move that mountain or that obstacle is exactly what you need that is the preparation you need that's not that's not stopping you it's helping you and yeah. so that's helping you prepare you it's part of your journey to figure out your way through it around it under over it you know and so this guy is just, has been like crazy um influential in my it just in the past several years with kind of what uh kind of where I am and just passing along to new writers and new artists. You know, he's got another one called The Ego is the Enemy, which is amazing. And then the one that has stuck with me the most is uh, it's called Perennial Seller. So anybody that's listening, check these, check this guy out. Perennial Seller is it's Perennial Seller creating and marketing work that lasts. Whether if you're a whether if you're a writer, whether if you're whether you're an artist, whether whatever. And it's just these amazing stories, and it talks about Lady Gaga, and it talks about uh, just all this. It talks to Kevin Hart, his story, and yeah. kind of what happened, and how you take your time, and like if, if you're writing a book, work on the, make that book as great as it can be. You know, spend that extra time before you go to market. There was some buzz. Yeah. There had been some buzz. Slogan, some um, that he talked that was at, um, in vogue at some point to where it's like spend twenty percent of your time writing your book and eighty percent marketing it. And he said, while that sounds really buzzy and like, oh yeah, man, that's cool. He said nothing could be farther from the truth. That's not yeah. the way you want. That's not the way you want to approach it. Well, you sold me you on know, Kevin. But it's a great. You, you sold me on Kevin Hart being in that being in that book. <clears throat> yeah, check his it. book. Yeah, check. You, it's a great have story. Have you guys? I haven't. Like, listen to Kevin Hart's book. His story. Oh, I, I, yeah, I've uh, I've crazy. I've read his his first book that came out. Uh, yeah. And his story his story is crazy. His story is nuts. Yeah. The things that he went through. So I like that. That was. Yeah. Good. And he's a Philly boy. Yeah. I know, right? So I saw, I, I saw his uh, that series that was at the Netflix, yeah, that Netflix he was, series. Yeah. He was in a stadium that he watched when he was doing the stand up. or watch that, yeah. and so yeah, man, that guy's he's and and it feels like man, part of his deal. I mean, he's like is moving into a little bit. I mean, of course, he's got that stand up which he'll always have, but he's yeah. but he's also into like you know personal growth and development and and um. He motivation is. and uh, as you know, is a, a big part of who he is. He is someone. Yeah. If you ever, if you ever see me on Twitter, I uh, 
I have, I can't say I coined the phrase because I took it from him. Um, there's a phrase that he uses that he gets on, he'll get on like Snapchat, Instagram, whatever, and he'll, he'll be like, you know, what are you doing today? Are you making today your bitch? Are you making today your bitch? You're not making today your bitch? No, go make today your bitch. You're looking at me. Yeah, go right. make. So every every morning I'll end up tweeting out or I'll text some close friends and I'll be like, yes, get up and make today's make today our bitch. Yeah, Marcus, right. why don't I get this? Right. <laughs> Am I not a close friend to you? You are a close friend to me. I've, I've realized that I've gotten myself in trouble now. Yeah, do you not realize the <laughs> internal struggle that I deal with of not being able to make days my bitch and you've been withholding this from me? Oh. Wow. Lord Sorry, Jesus. Tim. Sorry to get you involved maybe, in this. Or maybe it's some – I mean, surely you – I mean, there, maybe it's her email or some, there's something wrong yeah. with her. It's gone to the wrong person. I'm yeah, sorry. It's probably, oh, it's probably – wow. maybe it's just going to your spam uh, or something gone, somehow. Yeah, it's going to the wrong person. I'm sorry. There you it's, go. Because there's no way he would not – yeah, there's yeah. no way he would not send it. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so Tim, so you, you, you say that, you know, you try the artist thing. First of all, your story is very similar, which is very crazy, similar to Rusty Gadsden, because Rusty started out at Six Flags. I know he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's very similar. And then you guys are going to be in business part. Yeah. It's very similar. Know, right? Um, yeah. uh, but you, you talked about how you realized that you were going, you, like, you want to be a songwriter. That's all, like, that's, you know, or you tried your artist thing. What a lot of people don't realize is that you actually had a record deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Yeah. yeah, for about 15 for minutes. about 15 minutes, you had a record deal. Oh. <laughs> and it was fun, too, man. I liked it. It was fun. You were signed to what wow. is now, uh, it's now B&A Records. Yeah, B&A. Um, yeah. You went with Zach Turner. With Zach Turner, and you guys he was a co-writer. He was a co-writer buddy of mine. Yeah, and you guys are uh, you guys were named, and I only this is how I know this because not only is it on Wikipedia, but when I went to the Christmas party or one of the parties you guys had at this music, there was a big <laughs> ass billboard poster. Yeah, right. <laughs> that had Tim Nichols and like night. Yeah. When I mean '90s get up, think oh, yeah. Brooks and Dunn get up. Like oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Turn, I, had a, I had like a, I had a Blake Shelton yes, mullet. Yes. Wow. You know, I had his cow vest. So actually, actually, that cutout—it's like this life-size, like this light, like life-size. It's like six-two. Yeah. And me and Zach, and it's around. It's I'm down here in my man cave basement. It's just around the corner. Uh, so I've got it. Say where is that? I can't. I can't get you over there to see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so let's talk. Got it. Let's talk about the, your transitioning yeah. from being an artist yeah. there, getting a label deal. Obviously, you guys put out a couple songs and things like that, and then realizing that you wanted to be, yeah, well, what did, songwriting. So what had happened, Marcus? Was so Zach and I had been writing, and so Zach, we'd been writing. We wrote the we wrote "I'm Over You" the Keith Whitley song together, right. and we'd had and we'd been having cuts. We'd been getting songs cut, and uh, Alan Alan Jackson had cut a couple of our songs, and so so Zach had had a solo deal on Columbia. He was signed to a solo deal, so we were writing for his record, and then it that just kind of like all it just never could, it never just kind of got out of the blocks, you know, and so. And so we were then, we were playing this little, like, uh, because we wanted to play, you know, we were all up to play, and we, there used to be this little honky-tonk in Hermitage, Tennessee, called Lucy's and Tilly's. And so we were playing, so we went out there, I was playing bass, 
Zach, we were singing our songs and, um, do, you know, we were playing just covers and then songs that we wrote to the, the hits that we'd had. And so Brooks and Dunn hit. Well, at that point, then, you know, they're on Arista. Brooks and Dunn hit just, I mean, they took off like a rocket. And so then all of the other labels had to go sign their version of Brooks and Dunn. Right. So Gary Overton, who was a, um, who I had known and had been a publisher, um, had, was at, uh, was at B&A at the time. And he was in A&R. And he said, so he came out and saw us. And we never did it. He said, "Hey," and he saw us and heard us, and he knew he knew who we were and whatnot. And he said, "Hey, do you guys want a record deal?" Yeah, yeah. We never did a show. We didn't. We didn't have to do a show. It doesn't work that easy, guys. (laughs) For the most, usually it doesn't. Oh my god! We didn't do a showcase. We nothing. We didn't know. He said, "Y'all want a record deal?" Yeah, sure. And so we wrote a bunch of songs. So Keith Stegall, who produced all the Allen Jack, so Keith Stegall produced us. Zach was writing for Barry Coburn, who was managing Alan Jackson. So it's like, man, all these pieces like are falling into like falling into place. Yeah. And uh, so we have Alan Jackson's manager, Barry Coburn, his producer Keith Stegall, uh, uh, Gary Overton signed us. We're a BNA. The only problem was at that time, Joe Galanti, who had run, who had, you know basically run RCA, was in was in New York. That was at that time he was it had tremendous success here in the country signing country artists and they done so well that they brought him to New York. But he still kind of managed like you know what was going on here in Nashville. He still kept his eye on it. And so basically, you know, I mean, labels just like any other business have cycles. I mean, at that time MCA was the powerhouse. You know, Tony Brown and Bruce Hinton were were running the show there. They had Vince Gill. They had Reba. They had George Strait. They, I mean, they were just the ultimate powerhouse. And BNA was like not really, for whatever reason, it was just a da- It was you know kind of not a great time. So we, so Zach and I made this record. We put a couple singles out that screamed into the fifties. You know, we opened a bunch of shows for Alan. And then basically, we had working on a second record, and Galani basically just kind of let pretty much everybody go on the label except John Anderson and Lori Morgan, which wow. <laughs> was probably the right thing to do. Right thing to do. <laughs> wow. And so at that point then, so, cause we had had, we had had hits. And so that was another thing. I mean, as far as, as a new artist, at least we also had something else to talk about because country radio had been playing our songs. They'd been playing, you know, heads Carolina. They'd been playing. I'm over you. And, and that kind of thing. So, um, but then I went back, you know, it's like when after that happened, it's like, okay, man, I'm just like, that was a lot of fun. It didn't work out. I, I just, I'm just, I'm just going to fall back into, I, I ended up getting another publishing deal at EMI. Um, started then Mark Sanders and I started writing songs together like every Wednesday and we had a, we had a pretty good run and we, we wrote, we wrote, um, I think Heads Carolina was our first hit. No Thinking Thing was number one for Trace. Uh, um, Vidalia, Sammy Kershaw, I'd Rather Ride Around With You for Reba. That'd be all right, Alan Jackson. And so we just had this, you know, this crazy, um, nice little stretch, you know. And so, um, and uh, Craig and I start, started writing in the meantime. And then, you know, Live Like You Were Dying came along in 04. And, and uh, I've just been really blessed and just and I talk you know 
another thing I'll talk about now is another thing that's so great about this town is like, and especially be, be, you know, being here, there's no substitute for time. There's no substitute for putting your time in and just relationships. And so, you know, I mean, you know, 20 and 25 years of relationships now that I have, and there's just no substitute for that. And the new, the newer writers and the new, the class that's coming in and they're first having, having their first taste of success now, 20, 20 and 25 years later, there will be, there will be a, a group of them that are still together and they're still writing and they're still staying in touch. And it's just, it's just a, the coolest thing. And it's one of the things that I really treasure and cherish the most about, um, about the career that I've had is the relationships, um, that, that I've made. I think that that's a really fantastic thing to, to kind of touch on the fact that even though you came here to be an artist, I think a lot of people kind of view not making it as an artist or losing a deal as like a failure. But it's absolutely not. It just goes back to that book that you were talking about where it was just kind of an obstacle that you kind of needed to push you to now having me fantastic and incredible and arguably like legendary career that you have now. I mean, just because you come here to be an artist doesn't mean that if you don't make it as an artist, you're not successful and you're not no, you're I, supposed to be. Exactly, exactly right. And and and, and another to speak to that's when when COVID happened in, mm-hmm. in when that started happening, you know, March. I, it was just uh, everything you you know. It's like man, this this is like this is a lot. This is a big. I mean, it's just scary, man, because you didn't you know you didn't know. It's like you can't get water, you can't get toilet paper, you can't get you know. It's like what the hell, man? Well, yeah. And so I so I had had this Instagram account that I you know it's just like typical of you know who I'm writing with that day or you know one thing or another, and I felt oh, like. I mean, do people really want to know? To, I mean, it's kind of, it felt felt like it was kind of the same thing to me. And it's like, who cares? And so when this all happened, it's like, man, I'm just going to start like any good news, any positive, the more the better at yeah. this point. So I'm going to like, so I just started, I turned my Instagram account into like, just like some, like a positive quote every day. I love that. And so that's, and so... And so I, so and part of the thing is like, for, you know, I'm, so I'm looking, it's like, I'm looking for quotes that, uh, that resonate first that resonate with me. And then I'll, and then I'll, I'll put them, I'll post them. And so I've, because the other thing is like, an, as an experiment, it's like, I want to see what continuous, constant content, just keep putting content, just what, just as even as small as a quote but a quote a day. And I just want to, for an extended period of time, and I don't know how long I'll, but I mean, I'm playing at least a year, but I'm like, you know, it's like, I'm just, I just want to see what happens and see what that, and I've already like, because now they're already, there are regulars that check it and they tell me, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll send me, you know, a message or they'll put in the comments. It's like, man, whatever that quote was, I so needed to hear that today. Oh, or man, yeah. thank you so much for, thank you so much for this, for these quotes. I've got to where I look forward to. It's the first when I wake up because they automatically, I've got a, a software. And they, so they post automatically at 5 a.m. Nashville time. Wow. Okay. You know, and so they're always there. Yeah. And I'm always looking for a good inspirational. Quote. And so, and so, um, 
so I, and so it's also and from looking for these for just going through finding quotes yeah. i um i found a couple that have turned into have turned into songs but one of the things brianna like you were saying was one of the quotes i saw was like um one of the form one of the secrets so i forget who who quoted who made the quote but one of the his uh, who said it but it was like um the secret to how was it now the secret to success is fail twice as much fail twice as fast so you have to be yeah you know i think may oh, oh i think and even thomas edison said i failed my way to success that's so true. Thomas said it's a quote. It's so true. And even, I mean, John Mayer, he, uh, he's my favorite artist of all time. Um, he has a quote that's similar, and he talks about, you know, it is my failure to sound like my heroes that has allowed me to sound like myself. And it's like, Once, it, it's yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Like, it's amazing. And, yeah. and the thing is, so I've, I've been in this business since I was, oh gosh, 12, 13. I was with Sony when I was 16. And, you know, wow. to work with Vince, and I've I've done I've done a bunch of things, and I always thought I had to be this artist. But then, fast forward, I'm 27 now, and I'm happier than I've ever been doing interviews with people. I own a production studio now, and I produce for a living. Like, there's so many things that I would have, yeah. you know, 10 years ago looked and been like, oh, I failed. But honestly, no, it's just all led me to where I'm supposed to be. And I just I love your story because it just proves yeah. to people that like. Maybe what you came here for isn't what you're supposed to be. Mm, well, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I came yeah. here to be a songwriter. That's so great. <laughs> you came here to be a songwriter. What? Came here to be a songwriter. Little little known fact. Market. I had a hole, too. <laughs> there you go, man. Yes. And then I stopped writing. Yeah. I don't wow. like. I don't know. Like, yeah. I came here to be so uh, having a podcast. And I worked in radio before I came here. But uh-huh. having a podcast and... Uh, working in radio, I, the, the working in radio thing, you know, when I first started was something that I just, it was, it was like you, I wanted to, I knew it's my way into the industry yeah, right. some way, right. somehow right. to get to where I wanted to go. And at the time was being a songwriter. Yeah. It was putting me in front of, I gained a whole lot of connections working at a country station, um, a whole lot of connections. So when I came down here, I had tons of connections already you are very yeah. connected <laughs> extremely good yeah, everyone uh, awesome. everyone says that that's i don't know about that's that uh, but um but yeah I, I, so it's just but but me yeah. me going through the things that i've gone through over the last it's 10 <laughs> years this year 10 years of being wow. in this town wow. and going through you know yeah. all the things i've been through and realizing, okay, songwriting is not it. I don't want to be a songwriter. I definitely don't want to be a manager, and I definitely don't want to be anything in booking. I don't want to do any of that. (laughs) I don't want to do any of that. Like, so what do I really want? And it, you know, and it wasn't until I would even say two, three years ago that I really zoned into what I really want. Mm. And it just Just takes, it just, yeah, it just, being a badass. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm trying to get in that Tim Nichols level, you know. I'm just going oh, to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, right. That is an unattainable. Level. That is I'm an unattainable. Right oh, if I can do it, if I can do it, y'all can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Try to get in that Tim Nichols level, you right? know. Oh, wow. uh, I'll get there. I'll get there. Absolutely. But, but no, but that's you know, you're exactly right. You have to go through things to figure out one who you really are. Yes. 
to not just figure out who you are, but who you want to be. Yeah. Because those are two different things. Oh, definitely. Well, because I feel like, especially in the music industry, you kind of morph into what you think the people around you want you to be, what you're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. instead of like who you actually are and what you actually want. Right. You know? And it's just kind of crazy. So here's my question for you, sir, because you're, you're, um, we're out of time here, but your, your, um, your career has been over 30 years. Right. That's right. So, how, how 30 years span in music, that's like four lifetimes in music. Let's be real. No, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Because you can be here, you can be here one year, have a one hit, have, have a number one hit, and then be gone the very next year. Exactly. Um, so how have you continued to evolve right. and stay relevant over time? This is like 30 years because you, you've written, like you have, like to say that you have a hit now and you've been on like 30 years, but to say you have a hit with a new artist named Jimmy Allen and now you have Jordan Davis who's cutting hit, hits Carolina and Tulsa, California over again. Yeah. So it's like when you have these new up and coming artists and then you have hit with artists who have came before them, how have you stayed, continued to evolve and stayed and have this longevity of a career? Well, I think I think one thing is that I still love it every day. I mean, I still love it just as much today as I did, you know, 30 years ago, back writing for Millsap. Still, I, I just, it's never, it hasn't gotten old to me. I still love the process of writing songs. I still, um, you know, I haven't like, and I'm not one. It's like, oh, well, this is not '90s country. This what they're doing today is not not. You know, it's like, right. this is bullshit. That's you know, it's like I just I don't feel like that. Now, I mean, I don't like everything on the radio today, just like I didn't like everything on the radio then. I mean, yeah. just yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. fact. And you're not, you know, and you're not mean, going to. I'm not yeah, exactly. exactly. I won't like everything, yeah. you know, five or ten years from now. Right. Whatever. It's just like, yeah. Um, so I still, I still love it. Um, and then the other thing is, I, th- I feel like part of it is, I, I want to write with new, you know, writing with new people, writing with new, with new younger artists, with new writers and artists that come to town, and they have, you know, it's funny. I mean, one of them, they'll, they'll, they'll either a lot, a lot of, a lot of these country like Mo Pitney. You know, I have a couple of songs on Mo Pitney's new record that's getting ready. I think it comes out in August. But they, a lot of these guys, man, like Keith Whitley is like royalty to the, to the, to those traditional right. country guys like that. Right. So so the fact that me and Zach wrote I'm Over You, it's like, the, you know, we'll get in the room the first day and they'll start, where there's a cloud. They start singing a piece of it, you know. And so, um, so that's part, I, I feel like staying... Um, riding with riding with the new fresh talent is a is something that I think is an important part uh, um, of what allows me to kind of stay current. And then I think the other thing is because I I tend to be more I'm more of a lyric guy, and I feel like and I feel like so I feel like country to a large degree still now maybe it's not. I mean, I feel like for sure it is definitely more. The track is a, plays a bigger part now in the groove and all that than what it did back in the '80s and '90s. 
but it's still, man, everybody still wants a great lyric, right. a song that says something. Or so, so it's a song that where where the craft where the craft is right. comes through. Right. And so even with that, I mean, you can still, man, it doesn't matter what the track, you know. I mean, if you put a great, if the track is progressive and great and feels great, and if, you know, if I'm going to do my work, if I do my part, do my job. And make a great lyric with that, then we're gonna be we're gonna be good. But um, I, I feel like it's those uh, it's those two things as much as anything. I still love it, and I'm writing with and I'm writing with new, fresh talent. So in the grand scheme you of know? things, you've just really stayed open minded to the changes absolutely in the business. Mm. Instead of instead of resenting them, you've embraced them. Yeah, I feel. I, yes. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, it's like. Um, people like the, for example like I have two two boys they're grown Tyler's 25 Landon is 30 but Landon <laughs> well Landon is well well actually well actually yes they, yes yes they are actually. oh boy oh but so, boy but so we'll um, talk later <laughs> yeah right right yeah right but um <laughs> See that now I lost my where was well, I going? You turned it red. You no, I'm, turned I'm turned matchmaker. No, I'm, I'm so matchmaker sorry. there. I'm 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 so I'm so uh, single. And I'm oh so oh oh! I know what I know what I was going to say. So so uh, so a couple years, several years ago, Eric Church had this quote um, in uh, an article, the interview that he did in uh, Billboard, and he said genres are dead. There's just good music and bad music, and so especially Landon, my twenty, he's twenty five. When he was like, when he was in high school, all of his, and he, they went to uh, here in school, here in Nashville. They, from the time they could drive, all he and all of his buddies would go down, would, would go to CMA Youth Fest every night. Yeah. Every night they were yeah. there. Yeah. And so, so they're listening to the country, but then at the same time, they're listening to um, um, Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa. And, all, yeah. and I mean, it's just all, all these just, all over, all over it's, the, it's, the map. At this yeah. point in time, like as, as, as he said, as Eric Church said, it is no chance because now it's whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, Seriously. right. Whatever, whatever and makes so you I've, feel good. Exactly. And so those, so the, so the, so the art, so many of the artists today, you know, those, they're the, those artists that are like Landon's age, they grew up, they weren't just listening to country, they weren't just listening no. to rap and even the Florida Georgia, you know, all of that, all of that rap, people bring, you know, people bring, what their influences were, they bring that yeah. that manifests itself in their work, whether it's yeah. Keith Whitley or Wiz Khalifa, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so that's and so that's all that. So a lot of that stuff comes together. Yeah, you know, and so you can't help. I mean, phrasings. The phrasings are going to be, the, of course, phrasing in songs today will, won't be like if they were in the nineties. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because there wasn't that was there wasn't rap and hip hop. You know what I'm saying? That right. Yeah. You see, you see the yeah. point I'm making, right? And so oh, I feel like well, it's so. Something. Oh, and so, so Tom T. Hall. I read this quote from Tom T. Hall, and they were, which I thought was just crazy and so insightful. He said, "You know, audiences, and I won't get this exactly right, but he said basically they enjoy. Um, man, I wish I could get it. Basically, they, they." Um, I'm going to mess this up. But basically he's, but, but basically it was artists, they make the music and they, they present the music that is most them based on 
their influences. And so whether so if that's more progressive, if that's what it is, to, you know, what that is today um, versus what it is, you know, 20 years ago. And it's going to be different. It's going to be different five or 10 years from now. And so yeah. everybody brings what their what their influences. It's just like the, you know, the the Beatles had, you know, loved, you know, Carl Perkins and, and all of that, you know, it all it's all. Yeah. It all mixes in together because especially music people, you know, are always, I think, um, listen to to other genres. What's going on? You know, oh, what's going yeah. on over here? What's this going on over there? Well, the way you know, I mean, music is so different now than it was even like 10, 15 years ago. I mean, we have Spotify playlists that just have an algorithm that you pick one song and it'll, yeah. you know, pick an entire bunch of different songs. This is a big thing that I've always been an advocate of as a creator is the fact that like when you talk to a listener on their play or on their like Spotify library, it's not all one genre. So why should us as creators be forced to fit inside of this box and create only one type of thing when people nowadays are consuming everything? You know, it's not just, you know, country on one person's playlist. I mean, there might be a very select few, but we are creators. And so we're going to pick and choose from other different things. And I think that that is how music has progressed throughout you know history of course but now it's so easily accessible all different types types of music and styles and different artists and stuff it's so easy to put stuff out there you just literally get on distro kit or cd baby and you can have it distributed yeah. on on spotify right. in a few days right. so we're the way that we're ingesting is so different but then that also is going to mean that the way that we are creating needs to be different as well yeah, it's always, it's always, I just, I think it's always in flux. And so, yeah. but again, I, I just go, it goes back to, I remember, I remember back when Craig and I, uh, you know, I mean, um, I remember back when he was saying when the, when the Florida Georgia line guys basically showed up and they, and they had, had put Cruz was out and it was just, it was, it was starting to light up. I mean, downloads and whatnot, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are those songs, and that's what we all want. Those songs that, for whatever reason, react. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so now, I mean, there are ways, and that's you know, so many of the streaming services. I mean, you can see, you can see immediately if a song has that, has yeah. that thing. Right. You know, Absolutely. so I mean, again, I think that's the that is one of the um, is one of the bright spots I think for creators these days is you know and because the other thing is seems like record labels want they want to see somebody that basically has an artist that has a business you know that you're up and running that you're you you know that you're you're building socials and i mean you can't be playing shows now obviously but but you're out but you're out there right i mean yeah since being in town one thing that i've always had said to me is you don't try and like meet Nashville. You try and make Nashville meet you. Whereas you have your own thing. Like you have your your character, your business, your empire kind of already in the process of being built. So that it's kind of a no brainer for people. Yeah, I think so much of it is again we're talking about artistry and that. I mean, I think there are people. I mean, I feel one like Alex. I mean, all of the really iconic. Artists through, I mean, throughout country music history, really, or, or, or 
even broader, they know who they are. I feel like yeah. there's some. I see. I feel like some people, some artists, it's like some folks that they might be able. They might be great singers, but they. But then I also think there are people that just want to be famous. And oh, so when yes. you, so if you're that, yep. you know, if you're just, if you're depending on an artist, it's, if you're, or if you're depending on a record label, just tell me what you want me to be and I'll be that. That's <laughs> yeah. no. not where you want to be. You're in this Okay, you don't, yeah, there's you, that's, that's, you're asking for trouble. But yeah, where those, those, where those true iconic artists, it's like, it's, they know who they are yeah. and they were Waylon and Willie and those, I mean, they fought the, you know, exactly. Johnny Cash, they fought the system to be yep. who they were. Yeah. And that's who, you know, I mean, from Dolly to Lady Gaga to every, you know, to everybody, you have to know when you know who you are as an artist. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the artistry. That's what part of what makes you an icon. Oh, man. That's like a great place to end right there. I got man. one more question before we end. I got oh, one more question, sure. though. Because I I, I, I I get asked this question a lot, especially by an art, by a writer that I'm pushing. Um, and this is, this is, this is, can be, this can be your advice to all the, you know, the, the up and coming songwriters who are trying to get a pub deal or trying to just give you a notice. Sure. How does one, how does one get into rooms where you have art you have writers such as such as Tim Nichols such as Greg Wiseman such as Bridget Tatum you know those those hit writers are ready in Carrie Barlow that are already successful how do you get someone or convince someone to get in there in that room with you know someone who hasn't had a hit but is has had cuts with things like that or not even that just doesn't have just to take a chance on writing with them yeah I think there is this. So years ago, um, there was a guy at BMI who was saying that Nashville has this like filtration system where everybody comes in at the bottom, and it's just really basically the story is the cream rises to the top. Mm -hmm. And so, so for me, for example, I started by playing songs for a guy at BMI, and then he. It's a again. It goes back to it's a small. It's a small kind of little world down there um, on Music Row. And so everybody knows everybody, you know. And so when everybody, all the publishers talk and all the writers talk. And so so if, so if you get in or even for that matter, NSAI, National Songwriter Association, I'm on the board of the, of the NSAI. And so they have, um, of course, one of their components is, is lobbying for, for professional songwriters and going to D.C. and and dealing with those issues. But another, you know, the other component is education for people that want to be songwriters and they have this, the symposiums and they have the critique sessions and all that. And so they also know where the bar is. And so they can, so they have access and they can um, get publishers. And so, so ultimately it's about, you have to start like, like, like everybody, you have to start at the bottom. You know, when yeah. you, it's because ever, that's what everybody does. It's right. what I, it's what everybody, it's yeah. what everybody does. And you make your and you make your way, and whether it's with somebody at BMI or it's whether if it's you know somebody that knows somebody, yeah. you get your songs listened to. Again, it goes back to the industry is looking for great songs, and they're looking for people that can write great songs. And so, if you can, 
you will you will find your way and so it's just a it's just a process but it's but you have to love it because it's hard and you were talking about failure i mean still nine times out of ten i'm still when i turn in a song for they're pitching my songs and artists nine times out of ten they're still i'm still hearing no and but but the thing is you can't take that personal because they don't mean it personal you know, it's like, hey, it's look, it's look, it's not to say, it, hey, it's look, it's not to say that this song's bad. It's just, it's just not the song that we're looking for exactly. at the moment, right. Right. and that's yeah. the way you have to look at it. No, nobody means it personal. We just tend yeah. to because it's so close to us, and it's our heart and soul, and we put so we want everybody to love our kids, you know. Yep. But it's like you just can't, you just can't take it personal. But, but I still, like I said, I mean. All of us, we still hear no way more than we hear yes. So I mean, to that to that extent, you know, I'm fa- I'm failing, I'm failing every day. I'm still failing every day. That's gonna be but the title again, of this episode. Make sure you fail every day. Yeah, fail more every day. Fail oh, more. Wow. It is okay fail to more. yeah. Fail more is gonna be the title. Fail it's more. Courage to it's, fail. Yeah. It's, it's not even it's just okay. What gets, it's like. It's yeah, what gets yeah. you. It's what's going to get you there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this oh is so gosh. great. Wow. It's been a pleasure, up. y'all. Wow. I this am fired is, this up. Been, this has been fantastic. I am. Uh, Thank you. Like I said, the fifteen-year-old Marcus is still. Well, I'm looking forward, man. We got to meet sometime. We got to. We got to hang out when else is over. When this is over, I'm gonna yeah, We can. We can hang. Come on. Let's go hang out. Yeah. And this For is, sure. This is. Uh, this is. Yeah. Man, I am. Yeah. They tell you not to meet the person you look up to because <laughs> you might not like what you get. Oh, man. I, this is hands down one of the best interviews I've ever done. Oh, that's oh, awesome, man. Hands down. Yeah. Oh, I'm, so uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. 